Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, you got to accentuate the positives, eliminate the negatives. The Swiss Re report is persuasive. Don't mess with Monte Carlo Rendezvous. You got standard definitions up to the maximum. Bring Hain Royal Commission changes to the minimum. Have flood cover or pandemonium. Insurance news is somewhere in between. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by senior journalist Bernice Han, deputy editor Wendy Pugh, editor John Deeks, and chairman Terry McMullen. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Is rhyming your prerogative? Oh, Andrew, there's nothing like a bit of your fantastically Shakespearean tragedy comedy in the morning. <laughs> and that, hi, John. Hello. Can I be more cooperative? Not sure what you're getting at there. It's all rhymes, John. It's all rhymes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hello, Benice. Hi, Andrew. Was my intro this week evocative? Very. <laughs> <laughs> and good morning, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. Speaking to you is so restorative. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not in Monte Carlo, Wendy, but you're keeping a close eye on the reinsurance rendezvous nonetheless. What's making the early headlines? Yes, well, this is the annual event tended by up to 3,000 people um, from all parts of the industry. There's probably a bit more of a positive tone from the reinsurance perspective this year compared to last year. You know, they've got had those big price increases that went through at the January renewals and, you know, changes to terms and conditions. And reinsurers are also benefiting from improved investment markets. So S&P Global Ratings uh, released a report ahead of the event and they've changed their view on the global reinsurance sector to stable after holding a negative view since May 2020. And they, they expect that pricing is still going um, to be rising into 2024 as well. But, you know, of course, the big unknown is always what, what catastrophes might be experienced. And Swiss Re released an interesting report as well, John. Yes, they did. One of their Sigma studies, pretty detailed reports about the new interest rate environment. You can read our analysis for all the details and it clicks through to the actual report. But the headlines really are that the, the the new interest rate environment where central banks across the world have have put interest rates up for the first time in a long time is good news for the general insurance industry. And that's because of the effect that it has on their investment returns. And that positive impact far outweighs the negative impact on, on the cost of capital. But while profitability has improved, it's still not good enough. And there's still a problem with supply and demand that, that, that it's a higher risk world out there and the cost of everything has gone up, meaning that people want more protection. And at the moment, there's not enough capacity to go around. All this means, Swiss Re says, that for the rest of this year and into next year, it's still going to be a hard market and we can expect further rate rises for the time being. Well, Wendy, Treasury is looking into standard definitions within insurance contracts. Now, I hated statistics at uni. What's the background in this one? Well, this has been a long-running issue. The flood definition came into effect in 2012 after those really severe Brisbane floods. And then there have been suggestions since that, then particularly from consumer groups um, and also from the ACCC, that there, there should be more standard definitions for other perils and also standardisation around exclusions such as for wear and tear. 
Last October, in the Albanese government's uh, first budget, budget, they announced increased mitigation spending and also that they'd develop standard de- definitions for certain natural hazards and review the standard cover regime. So Treasury says it has now conducted some targeted stakeholder meetings seeking views on, on this. It's expected additional public consultation will take place in due course. Mathematics pun alert. Standard definitions aren't mean, but they could help consumers know what they're covered for, Terry. Although they could also stifle competition and innovation. Well, the last time we tried being innovative with uh, products was, was through the uh, the PDS, which has been a... <laughs> A total disaster of you know, more than a hundred pages of things that people can't understand, which was exactly what they weren't trying to do. And yeah, we do have a standard definition for flood, and insurers fought against such a thing for at least 40 years for reasons that nobody can now remember. Has that standard definition helped clarify what, what's covered and what's not? Yeah, it has. Personal lines marketing is centred on on two things as far as I can see. that There's the brand, which is important for projecting an image of reliability because buyer loyalty is crucial, particularly for the bigger brands. And then there's price. Everything else is flim-flammed, disguising really the fact that, that most policies offer exactly the same things and try to make their service levels the marketing point of difference. You can see an Amy and its advertising battle with the cheapies isn't really saying you'll get more for your policy, just that their service is better. And as for innovation being stifled, it, it might help if the opponents of standard definitions elaborated on how, because innovation isn't what they're competing on right now. And if they all had to offer a basic product, that would surely spur companies to start marketing the real things. And that would involve innovation. And that's the sound of Terry stepping off his soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help it, Andrew. (laughs) Well, on a similar subject, Bernice, Allianz is reassessing whether to continue with its optional flood cover product. Uh, Yeah, that's right. So last year's floods, uh, as Allianz explains, have forced the insurer to take a look at its current flood insurance model for home customers and know whether it's viable going forward. Um, So since 2012, home customers have had a choice opt-in or opt-out. And the good thing about the opt-in, opt-out model is that it means home customers, homeowners who are who, who are with Allianz and if they are in high flood risk areas, they can still afford a home insurance policy that covers other perils that are not called floods. But uh, then it's not so good for Allianz if floods like the ones last year become a regular occurrence and that's what Allianz is afraid of. So according to Allianz, they incurred a significant cost from emergency and temporary uh, accommodations. So the term accommodation payments were due to delays caused by a significant backlog of hydrology reports uh, for customers who had chosen not to take out a flood cover. So and then so the premiums paid by these customers did not cover for flood risk. And so Allianz is indicating that the model is possibly not sustainable. And it also wants the cyclo reinsurance pool to be expanded to cover all ex- residential extreme flood risk in Australia. Yep. Why would this be significant, John? Well, it's definitely significant from the consumer perspective. As Bernice said there, if nobody allowed you to opt out of flood, that that means that those customers in very high flood risk areas 
would would be shut out of insurance altogether and they 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 still want to insure against you know things like fire and storm and and and, and burglaries and and all the other things that they're no more at risk of than than anyone else it's just flood obviously that that, that they can't afford but yeah, we I can see why Alliance is saying this stuff. I mean, this is where so many of the disputes are after a major flood. Because if you don't have flood cover, you're probably still going to put a claim in and, and try and say that this water was stormwater, not flood water, and just see where it goes. And that's when you get long wait lists for hydrologists, the dispute resolution systems all clogged up, and all the rest of it. And as Alliance said there, you know, they're paying out significant sums during that initial period before anyone's totally sure whether it's flood or stormwater so to say you know you take our policy with flood or you don't take it at all uh, just simplifies everything ultimately i suppose this is another example of uh, you know the, the flood issue in australia and the fact that insurers can't solve it on their own we've somehow got to get people out of harm's way and interesting to see Alliance raise the uh, the flood pool idea again. I'm sure this is going to come up in the government inquiry, even though it doesn't fit neatly into the terms of reference. I'm pretty sure it's going to get mentioned at, at some point in this uh, inquiry into the response to last year's floods. Well, in other news, Wendy Marsh has announced a new local leader. Where did Nick Harris go? Nick Harris, who came out to Australia initially with JLT, was returning to London to become a Marsh uh, UK retail CEO. So he's going to be replaced as Pacific President by Josh Roach, effective from January. Josh Roach has a background in civil engineering and he joined uh, Marsh in Hong Kong in 2009. And then since then, he's held a number of different roles across the region and is currently heading up uh, Marsh in New Zealand. So the uh, the Pacific role includes all insurance and risk advisory services across Australia, New Zealand, Fiji and, and Papua New Guinea. Well, it's not the only leadership change Marsh has announced in recent months, is it, Terry? Uh, I guess big companies like Marsh are constantly taking on new people and even whole companies. And as Wendy mentioned, Nick Harris, for example, only arrived at Marsh because he ran JLT when it was sold to Marsh. We've recently seen Scott Leaney, Marsh's head of risk management for Asia and Pacific. He's resigned. He's moving on to Everest Insurance as head of Asia Pacific in November. We may well see more senior changes at Marsh as, as they readjust. You'll constantly see people coming through. This is a great growth area for people within the, the Marsh structure to you know, prove themselves and then move on to greater things. Well, so far, so good, Benice. But the industry has a new regulatory reform to get to grips with. Yeah, it's a tough one, the financial accountability regime or FAR. So one of the key features is that it basically applies to all directors and senior executives. So they will be identified as accountable persons and will be subject to broad obligations like to act with honesty and integrity. And then basically the FAR obligations apply to everything that an accountable that an accountable entity does, including cyber security arrangements, uh, data risk management, product governance. ASIC and APRO will jointly administer FAR. And one uh, law firm has already warned that we can expect to see uh, significantly more enforcement investigations of potential breaches. 
And we have seen uh, of BEAR, the predecessor of FAR, which uh, applies to the banking sector. So um, the regulators will maintain a register of accountable persons, uh, including their detail, the details of their responsibilities and any disqualifications. And the regulators will also have broad powers under FAR, for example, um, to seek court orders for compliance or injunctions, and even uh, require them to undertake enforceable undertakings. So I'm uh, just going to quickly add on what the penalties are under FAR. So if, if an individual uh, who is an accountable person is held liable for some non-compliance FAR rules or provision, they may face a financial penalty in the amount of up to $1.56 million, and they may even be banned from holding being an accountable person in other APRA-regulated organisations. Yep. Well, this is apparently the last major reform spinning out of the Hain Royal Commission, Terry. After five long years, will everyone get a rest now? Well, probably not. While the regulatory corrections raised by Hain are now pretty much in place, I think the lasting effect of the Royal Commission is going to be with us for a lot longer. Hain really did force our regulators to move away from a a more soft-touch kind of oversight to be far more active, more interventionist and very much tougher. The attitude now is to publish any transgression with massive fines, which I think probably makes boards notice a lot more and worries chief executives even more. The culture within financial services, I think, is changing in those ways as a result. So in spiritual terms, at least, Hain is still with us. And on that... Esoteric notes, it brings us to the end of this week's Insight Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Wendy Pugh, Benice Han, John Diggs, and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week, and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.